one of my professors at the Bible College who became a good friend, he took over an existing building that only had about 12 people that were still the congregation, but no one really leading or pastoring them. He decided to take it over and I jumped in because I thought, wait, it's by Huntington Beach? I grew up in Hawaii. I'm, I'm beach people. Give me near some beach people. So the Bible College was like 45 minutes inland and I started helping him and I became the youth pastor and there was literally only two brothers. That was the youth group, two junior high boys, they were brothers. And I'm like, I'll be your youth pastor because I'm beach people. And I know, you know, and anyways, we started it, built it up to a couple hundred people. We had over a hundred kids in the youth group. Uh, God did incredible things, but it was another church plant. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I did that for a while before I ended up moving back. Well, and then how you moved back to Hawaii, we had tried two or three times to get you back. And yeah. uh, at the time that, that, sure. that I was asking, we were a church of about 1,450 people at that time. And we had a youth group of a little bit less than 100. You're in a church of a couple hundred, and there's over 100 in the youth group. And so uh, we were we were trying to get you. And I, I remember we, we made three big attempts. And uh, and you turned me down the last time. And I, and I go, look, this is the last time I'm going to ask you. Yeah. So you better pray about it and be sure. Uh, so you, you, I, it was during the 9-11 crisis when I was on a boat in Washington State and you called and said, we'll come. And it was a big day of joy for me. And so you came and, and, and you became our youth pastor and the group grew like crazy. And you guys had a lot of mini churches going on. And yeah, I wanna, let me speak to that really quickly because I think there's a couple of valuable lessons I learned in there along the way. Again, that goes back to if we want to be effective in this world, we just got to believe in people. We got to believe in people who just don't believe in themselves. And I was in this place in Huntington Beach where, yeah, the youth group grew from two brothers. I was there for five or six years to like 150, almost 200 kids. And funny what, what comes around goes around is Sumo Sato had been my youth pastor back when I was a young kid in Hawaii. And I had this big thriving youth group and I couldn't do it alone and I had leaders. And my mentor, previous youth pastor actually came to work for me as my junior high pastor as I was pastoring the high school in the junior high group and we were back together we had launched this church together years previous and now he's working not just with me but under me and he's like you're, you're my boss now and it was just it's just cool how the Lord does that you know but when I got the call I kept getting the calls to come back to Hawaii and, and come on staff with you and be youth pastor um, I didn't feel it I didn't believe in myself I told him I gotta hang out up here a little bit because if I move back to Hawaii, I'm gonna be Ralph Moore's son and I'm gonna be going on Ralph Moore's name and Ralph Moore's reputation. And I didn't want any free handouts. And sometimes maybe someone out there can relate to that a little bit is you, you just wanna know you got what it takes. And God is so gentle and compassionate that he allows you to figure that out on your own. He won't force you. I know you love me and you believed in me. You wanted to force me, but you allowed the Lord to show me and I said, Dad, I'm not going back unless I know that Carl Moore can do it, not Carl Ralph's son can do it. And you were patient. And God allowed that youth group to grow and to thrive and me to get to the point where I could believe in myself and say, I think I actually might have what it takes that I can move back. And then the story was the youth pastor that was pastoring at the time, he actually got called out because you believed in him and sent him to take out a small congregation and facility, right? That was available for him to plant a new church. And now you really needed a youth pastor. And he was the one that when he asked, and I sought the Lord on it, 
I knew I was ready and a couple prophetic words and a couple of just really amazing supernatural circumstances happened, including 9-11 and God speaking to people at the time to convince me it's time to go. That brought me back to Hawaii and I was ready to be the youth pastor. And so my little spin on that is I don't really believe in nepotism. And we thought that when you graduate from Bible college, you probably would stay in California and, and you were ripping in Huntington Beach. And and I, I know that because Mark moved away to Nevada or something, and there was some talk of even them wanting you to become the pastor of that church. Um, so I, our, our deal was that we saw, uh, we, we had two, two things going on. One was, hey, that's not, not that's Ralph Moore's son. That's the son of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe Bay, who we trained, he's up there, they got their hooks in and we want him back. Yeah. You know, it's our investment, we want, we want our investment back. But then the other thing was the huge youth group. And so we we wanted that. And, and so it, it, I, I know you always felt that business about, you didn't want to have a job because of your last name. But, yeah. But we weren't thinking that at all. We were yeah, only, I, we're very selfish about this. No, and I don't believe that. I don't believe, I believe that I would feel that way. Yeah. And that other people might view me that way. You, I know you guys weren't doing the, you're my son, so you get the shot. That was never the thing. It was more for myself and my reputation that it would look like a handout and I didn't want to be that guy. And, uh, and just to qualify it, my pastor at the time in Huntington Beach, he hadn't moved yet, so I, I wasn't, I don't want him to feel offended or anything like this. He he was still there, and I I left before he ever left that church. But um, I I felt like God had to speak to me, and it had to be a calling, and not that I was going to get a free ride. You weren't offering a free ride, but I didn't want anyone to you know just assume that. So I came back, and I was ready, and jumped into youth ministry, and loved it. And we watched the the youth group grow, and um, in a few years, and then I was I was moved into the position of college pastor, and kind of was moving up, not the ranks, but in the different positions. You had me preaching a weekend service. I was the men's pastor. I kind of got a little variety and a mix and experience, honestly, yeah. um, ministering with kids generations younger than me, to college age, to then men, some that were my peers, some younger, and a lot they were actually older uncles. And I had to somehow figure out how to be their pastor and love them and lead them. And um, yeah, it was it was quite uh, a roller coaster. And what we remember is um, the way that I used to do things would be that I traveled a lot. So for probably 20 years, I would be gone uh, 10, 10 times to eat, 10 weekends, sometimes it'd be two weekends in a row, but 10, sometimes 12 trips in a year Mostly in third world countries, we would raise the money. I'd go there. I wouldn't charge anybody anything. And I still do a little bit of that. But I, I, and so whenever I would be gone, uh, starting with Jeff McKay, the youth pastor would preach in my absence. And that was kind of a, a way of training a guy. Another guy named John Honnold did a great job doing that. And just over the years, that was what happened. Mike Kai. And so these guys would would be in that slot and it was it was good for them and it was good for the church, it was good for me. But the year that you guys moved home, I had a, a, a deal going where I'd had a real good experience. I got an Al Martin gave his testimony one Sunday when I was on the trip. And so we just started asking guys that were key guys in the church, 
just get up there and, and give your testimony in all five services or whatever was going on. Mm -hmm. So he never ever got a chance to speak for one year. And then when it all changed and we're kind of back in the norm, now he speaks and first time that he spoke, it was, it was crazy. It was like people had set this up or something because they all said the same thing. They come and they grab my shirt sleeve. Every single person grabbed my shirt sleeve and they go, if, if you retire, will he take your place? And so it's like, wow, you got to pay attention to this. So I, I kind of hold things. And so I just kind of held this in and, and just held on to it. But it's like, I think I know where this is all going. But after about two years, because we, we took our time, I went into church council one day and he's still doing youth. And I, I, I ask everybody, don't, don't name a name. Just tell me yes or no. If I were to retire or die in an airplane crash, do you know who should be the next pastor of this church? And I just went around and I said, each person, every person except one said yes. And the one guy said, I think so. Then I went around and said, name the person. And they all named Carl. Mm -hmm. And so I had to, to wait because, you know, he's got this, I don't want it because of my last name and I'm not quite sure of myself and all that, but we're very sure. And we've seen the congregation responding to him and, and we know what's going on and we know it's from God. And so I kind of snuck up on him. I, I waited till we were up, both on our way to our cars one night. It's kind of raining lightly. And so I just go up and I, I go, would, would you, uh, the church council thinks that you're supposed to be the, the, the next pastor. You got to take my place. And he goes, I know that's what's being expected of me. And his head drops. And now I'm freaked out. It's like, oh no, he's gonna say no. And so I, I, I go, uh, well, we don't think it's what's being expected of you. We, we think it's the Holy Spirit. And he looked up at me and he's kind of crying. And he said, so do I, that's what's so rotten about it. And he said, yes, and it's like, that was over. And, uh, can, and can I tell my version of but it yeah, too? Yeah, like, but yeah, go ahead. Super, it's super similar to that, but I remember exactly because it was one of the scariest moments of my life. Is, is you said, hey, the church council, um, we're talking about succession and I'm, I'm getting older and a few years from now, I want to retire and I want to hand off. And the church council has all decided, they made up their mind and they know who the next person is to take my place. And I just, I knew where the conversation was going and I had the craziest fear and butterflies and it's something I've always said, I don't want to be a pastor, I don't want to be a lead pastor, I don't want to be, and he goes, so they've all decided and um, and they know who it is, and I believe I know who it is. And um, you you asked it like this: you know it's you, right? Uh -huh. That's what, and I just I paused and just was going crazy in my head. And I, and in my head, I already made up my mind. And the words that I wanted to come out of my mouth was, "Hell no!" <laughs> Excuse my French. But what came out was, yes. And it was the craziest holy moment of my life because my flesh and my humanity and everything, my insecurity just wanted to say, don't you dare ask this of me. And yet I knew that that's what was put on my heart and the mark on my life and the calling. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit, it yeah. was a Holy Spirit moment. And I said, yeah, I know it's me, but I'm really scared. I'm like, you're not quitting tomorrow, are you? Like, and I'm like, you're going to hang around a little bit to show me the ropes, right? And, and it was just, again, it's this theme of 
Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set right. an example for the right. believers in all these areas. And it's like Paul kind of heading out and going, don't worry, you got this thing. Yeah. So to me, sorry to interrupt, no, but that was just good. a holy moment that's, that's, that's good. I, I love indelible in my mind right there was that you asked me, you know it's you, right? And I said, yes. Ah! <laughs> anyway, sorry. So you, you guys, you ended up, um, our, our friend Rob McWilliams uh, came up with the idea Carl ought to be the men's pastor. You were doing high school, and then for a while you are doing high school and college, mm -hmm. different nights. And, and men, for and, one and then, short season, high three. school, college, and <laughs> men, and I was drowning. But when, I, when, when he came up with this, Carl ought to be the men's guy, it's like, oh, that's perfect, because that's if, we, if, if he has the men's hearts, then we're going places. This is really good. And then uh, you, you, you took over, and... And there was overlap. Uh, I, I remember we handed off the biggest service. I thought, if we start small, and then we're going to get some kind of pushback. So let's just get this over with. So the biggest service was the first one. And and, and I wanted to change the music in that service before I handed off. Because I didn't want people to go, oh, you came in and took away our service and changed things. So I, I brought the high school band in. And the, the leader is still the worship leader at that church to this day. But he was just a kid, and so for about six weeks, they were in there playing worship, and a few people, they didn't drop out, they changed services. <laughs> and then you came in, and, and so everything went really well, and we just went from there. And then you pastored the church for a long time, and and uh, it's been very good, very successful. And then you kind of ran into a little speed bump. Uh, you, I mean, your, your wife divorced you, everybody stood behind you, that was all wonderful, and then when, when you begin to, to date and eventually to marry the beautiful woman that you're married to, uh, you, you kind of had a little, little legalism problem with a few of the people, I guess, in the staff or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you hand it off. We co-pastored for a couple of years. You hand it off to me. I jumped in and I felt like I could do it. And we've made a lot of changes and um, good changes and healthy and and modified some stuff but actually built on i always say that any good pastor is a product of those that go before him we're all standing on the shoulders of giants and i knew that i was only there because of the foundation he laid for me and uh and no matter what that's just how i got there and so we ended up even changing the name of the church sure uh not because of any distaste but just because it felt dated to me uh the name was hope chapel and i just thought People don't all know what chapel is about, and I love the word hope, and I love the verse that the the, the church is founded on, Hebrews 6.19, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for the souls, and I love that hope and that image of an anchor, and anchors in kind of modern society have like the cool on tattoos, people, it means strength, and it's just that hope, so I changed it into Anchor Church. And, um, but we kept the same exact verse and the same exact spiritual foundation it was built on. So we changed the name, but you know, names are names. Um, the church continued to thrive and to grow. And then, yeah, I went through, honestly, some tough years. You and I actually kind of had a little bit of a falling out. And this, probably people are shocked to hear this. They've heard about it, but we're good now. We went through some tough years in our own relationship. And some of that's tied up in where my marriage is at at the time. Um, I went through a really rough patch, about seven years of really tough marriage. And uh, long story short, eventually my wife divorced me and I was still pastoring. And this was like right before pandemic. 
and I found the woman of my dreams and no disrespect to anyone but that she was the one and we started dating really fast because we just knew and the way we felt early then is the way we still feel to this day and the Lord confirmed it in all these miraculous incredible ways undeniable and how do I say it? it, it just not everybody was on board with it um, and it was hard it was hard to go through that a little bit honestly and um, I just knew it wasn't going in the right direction and knew that it wouldn't be healthy to stay um, so I stepped out and I didn't step out out of emotion I didn't step out out of uh, stupidity I stepped out because I had been seeking the Lord like crazy in my knees and I asked for a sign and I asked for if he's going to give me a release or he wants me to stay and he without a shadow of a doubt long story short no details involved he gave me a very clear sign that I could be at peace and that I could be released and um, it's crazy because I was I felt like pretty much at the top of my game like preaching better leading people church was growing finances were good salvations were going and I I stepped away because God was in it um, quickly got married started a new life and it's been the craziest thing ever since those decisions were made all I've seen and you know because you just trip out is God restored our relationship relationship with all these other people Aaron and Stephanie but aside from that the financial crazy miraculous flow that has come into my life the resources the spiritual growth the I can't even tell you there's been the favor of God the blessing of God his hand in my life so evidently and miraculously time after time after time in fact this week stuff that's going on I've been talking to my wife like how is all of this happening again right now we're in this other now new new season of breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough and God is a God of redemption he's a God that was faithful to Job that it says in the Bible the second half of his life was better than the first half he's a God of beauty from ashes of redemption redemption of things being made whole and new from brokenness and it blows my mind I'm closer to God than ever before yeah I'm on hiatus I'm on I don't know when when it says in Psalms that David I will make you lie down in green pastures and tend to your flock in some ways he had to make me lie down so I could step away and just enjoy the beauty and the blessing that he's given me um, but I'm not washed up and I know that you know that but some people out there probably think where'd he go he disappeared he's hiding is no I'm not I, I had to get through some time of healing things got a little weird and toxic and ugly and I had just had to step away and and I still pray blessings on that church I'm sure they're still good people whatever went wrong but you know what I guess the church is still thriving. I pray that it is. There's a lot of people I love there. I just haven't heard from anybody in over a year and a half. But you know what? Life goes on, and I'm moving forward. So I don't know. That, I, I hope uh, yeah. I'm not rambling, but man, life is really good. That's my new catchphrase. Life is really good.